Welcome back to Your Tech Report. For gadget news and reviews, click to yourtechreport.com. Welcome back to Your Tech Report. Mark Aflalo Mitchell Whitfield with you. Follow us on Twitter. It is at Your Tech Report. Facebook.com slash Your Tech Report. And of course, our YouTube channel is YouTube.com slash Your Tech Report. Our next guest is based in Toronto, and he is the CEO of a company called Nelson. Steve Brown, welcome to Your Tech Report. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. Steve, you know what? We, we talk a lot about uh, education and technology and education and how important it is to make sure that our, our, gen- our kids of this generation are, are exposed to sciences and technology. But when it comes to your company, you guys are taking things to a whole different level that we can't even possibly do on our own. Can you, can you talk about Nelson as a company for a second and give us some, some of the storied history? Sure. So Nelson is one of the oldest educational publishing companies in the world. We're Canada's oldest educational company. We are North America's oldest educational company, and we've been in classrooms around the world since uh, just going into our 104th year. So we're really storied and deeply embedded into the educational community across the world, but particularly across Canada. So, so when you say you've been in the classrooms, can you elaborate on that? How, how have you been in the classrooms? How have we, so, you know, as a parent, for example, with, with, with young, with school-age kids and obviously having gone through the education system, I've probably had some kind of interaction with, with what you guys do. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's interesting. I was just in a meeting yesterday and I was talking with a college professor and we're doing, we have, uh, we have our tentacles into all areas of education from preschool the kindergarten through 12th grade, higher education, on into master's programs and professorial studies. And I was talking with this university prof who was telling me how amazing it was. He remembered when he was in high school learning on Nelson textbooks and went through his, uh, his higher education journey and on into postgraduate studies and then becoming a professor. And he's just adopted one of our new additions and he's actually teaching organic chemistry with a Nelson school book. And he said it's amazing that over this uh, 60-year journey of him teaching and learning, he's been using one company's text the whole time. <laughs> so it really shows how broad that is in terms of our learning abilities, dealing with educational communities at large. You know, we look at schools of, of all ages now, and there's, there's obviously this goal of trying to get kids exposed to computers, whether it be with Chromebooks, whether it be with iPads, whatever it might be. And, and, and I think especially on the higher level, it's, it's probably a little bit more accepted to start using computers in classrooms and such. So talk about this transition, because there, there's, there's a transitionary period that's probably ongoing now, and it's been ongoing for a while, of converting traditional textbooks into a digital format. But you guys are, are taking this to a whole new level with a new product. Yeah, it's, uh, it's very interesting. So I, I joined Nelson as CEO just over 12 months ago, September the 8th. And when I came in, I'd, I'd been in other industries that had been through this physical to digital transformation. And every journey is very unique. But it really is all about the content. Um, but when I, when I looked at education at large, I, I spoke to my colleagues, and I told them I wanted to understand the digital landscape. And what I found was shocking. It was that um, d- digital learning methodologies in higher education, so in post-secondary, in uh, career colleges, colleges and universities, um, the digital adoption for learning on digital resources ran on an average basis at around 46%. And then I looked at K through 12 and national averages on K through 12 were 2 to 3%. Oh wow. And I was absolutely startled by that statistic so started to dig in a bit more. And what I found was not the only reason but the single largest influencer 
on why there was such a barrier to entry was multidisciplined teachers was teachers who taught many different subjects rather than being a subject matter expert. They'd teach geography, history, math. And when they got onto a digital platform, they might like one particular one, and they'd navigate around it. They'd know how to set class, uh, uh, lesson class, class lessons. They'd know how to set homework assignments and interact with that. But as soon as they changed from one discipline to another, because we as educational publishers and educators in terms of our involvement didn't understand that, we were building different platforms. So you could have a, a middle school or a high school or an elementary school teacher who might be teaching geography, as I said, loved the way to navigate around it, but then switch his disciplines and go to math. And that math book might be provided by a different educational publisher on a different platform. So it became so complicated that the teacher's fallback was, forget it, this is too difficult, get your textbooks out. So where in higher education you've got profs who only teach one discipline so get to know the platform get yeah. to work on it and work on it for many many years and that was really the barrier to entry so we uh we took on the lofty the lofty task of solving that and that's what we've done with the launch of edwin so what does edwin stand for it's an educational win right educational win yeah when we were originally looking to um to put a name on the device and, and i'll go through what it's all about we wanted something that was going to be catchy we wanted you know, schools and teachers and educators and parents to say, are you on an Edwin school? Do you work with Edwin? We wanted it to become in modern nomenclature around the world of a particular style of learning. So that's how we came up with Edwin. And it's, uh, we're, we're four or five weeks into it being used by hundreds and hundreds of students and it's going really well. So we're really pleased. Now, is Edwin, is it a software platform or is it a combination of software and hardware? So, Edwin is a combination of software, hardware, and the content. And all of those textbooks that kids have been, you know, learning on for years and years. And what we wanted to do, we had two or three models. We wanted to, to, to hit some real objectives. And one was equal equity for all. So, we wanted to make sure that every kid no matter what the socioeconomic background, no matter whether they were born here in Toronto or Montreal or anywhere across the country or indeed around the world, or they were refugees for some, from uh, you know, a, a dreadful war-torn country who'd been transposed and put into the same school as those other kids, whether they were from high net worth families or whether they were from low socioeconomic backgrounds who couldn't afford the same level playing field. So we wanted to make every student equal from the time they got to school to the time they finished at the end of that school year. So that was one of the first objectives, equal equity for all. So we decided to embed the software and the curriculum and all the content in a device so every kid gets the same device. Now, who, who's paying for the device at the end of the day? Is it the school boards that, that have to opt into the program? Obviously, I know it's an, it's an pilot stage now, so the model could vary and could change, but I'm curious about that. Yeah, well, the model actually is uh, the initial reaction when we started talking to schools and school boards around the country, and, and, in other, and we've been as far flung as China, Australia, Finland, where people have been looking at. The initial reaction is, um, you know, buying a device with the content, we can't afford to do that. We don't have that budget. But when you actually drill down, and we've done this many, many times now, schools are actually spending the same amount or less than they're currently spending. It's just dipping into different budgets. So what you've got, you've got the textbooks, which are currently bought on a three- or four-year cycle. 
So one year they might be buying new science resources or they might be buying new geography or history or math resources. Then the following year they'll buy a different discipline and that cycles around. What Edwin does is it's a device and that goes to the technology budget where schools are buying iPads or Chromebooks. But the current national averages are only one device per three students. So how as a teacher, how as an educator do you interact with a student and you want to do it on a technological platform when you're only one out of every three of your kids has got a device. So we needed to bridge that. So what we're saying is the device is provided, it gets delivered on the first day of school, and the student keeps it 24 hours a day. Unlike the iPads and unlike the Chromebooks, they get to take, take them home with them and use it as their device. But that device is going to cycle for three years. So it's really one-third of the cost. So when you look at that um, three-to-one student ratio of devices per student, you're really keeping that, but you're just spreading the cost out over three years. And it wouldn't be the same device a kid gets every, three, every year. You know, they'd give it back at the end of the year. But because you're only paying for a third of it, you, you bridge that gap of three-to-one ratios by giving them a one-to-one ratio. And then in the public school market, rather than buying a series of books every four years, you get all of the books, but you, pay, you only pay a fraction of the cost because it's on a rental model and it's a digital model, and basically they have 24 hours a day access to all of the books. Where in the public school market, they don't get to take that book home. And one of the things that we've been able to do on Edwin is monitor where people are engaging with the content and when. And we launched in beta tests in four schools starting September the 2nd and 3rd this year. And the thing that we found is kids going into those digital textbooks on Edwin at night when they're at home, at the weekend, to com- complete their homework, to complete their studies, but have 24-hour access to all of those resources on a device, on the software stack that we built, which is extremely easy. And the task that I put out to our team who developed this was nobody reads an instruction manual when they open their iPhone. (laughs) So it's got to be exactly the same. It's got to be intuitive. It's got to be easy to navigate. And no instructions, no tips. You've just got to know how to do it. And we've had phenomenal responses from parents, from students, from educators about the way they can interact. But the really great thing is the algorithms running in the background, which is measuring comprehension, measuring speed it's measuring understanding so the teachers actually get the feedback as do the parents on how the students are doing and then it pushes individual testing out to those students in terms of assessments because if there's something that they've shown great comprehension on we don't need to test them and waste that time learning it again let's help them strengthen their weaknesses not build upon existing strengths so it's individualized learning and it's there to support teachers, and it's there to inform students, and it's there to help parents understand that journey. So it really is a fulsome educational ecosystem, which is what we call Edwin. And it's all there to help everybody and giving people measured outcomes rather than opinions. It's all about algorithms. It's all about understanding. But giving them the access to that resource 24 hours a day whenever they want is really the point of differentiation. How does this, um, in a school that's been focusing attention on, on putting iPads or Chromebooks in the classroom, does this, does this replace that initiative in your mind, or is this something that complements it, or both? Well, on Chromebooks, certainly it, it, uh, it can complement it. It can work with it. Um, we can actually sit uh, the Edwin software and content on Chromebooks. Oh, cool. 
we have launched with uh, the device and the hardware and everything all together. But it, what we don't want to do is create um, uh, unnecessary investment. So if you've got a school board who's invested and there's a recent um, Ontario school board who just announced they'd bought 10,000 Chromebooks, we can upload Edwin to sit on those Chromebooks and operate in the same way. If they've got, if they've got 30,000 students in their school board, we can get them 20,000 Edwins and then take their Chromebooks reprovision and upload Edwin to f satisfy the other 10,000. So overall, every student still has a device. Um, we've looked at Apple. Uh, we, we've got our tech team working on being able to upload to, um, to the um, uh, iPads. The thing that we found, and there's a lot of data that really backs this up, is smart pen and keyboard shows much greater comprehension and learning outcomes yeah. than just a smart pen. So we think that it's going to go the way of what we're actually calling a yoga device, and we call it that because the device we're delivering on actually bends 180 degrees right round. You can use it as a tablet or as a laptop. But to me, the hardware is less the focus as to getting the, the technology is really only a vehicle. So the technology drives it into the classroom, but it's really what's on the device which is really making the learning outcomes difference. And at the end of the day, the only thing that really matters is the learning outcome. If the kids are graduating with better marks, then we know Edwin's really completed its task. The ability to, to drill down and get that, that kind of information in real time must be so so valuable to the teachers in creating their plans and their exercises. And just, just as you said, even even individualized testing. What is some of the feedback you've heard from the teachers? We uh, we the, first of all the, the the feedback continues to be heartwarming. It really does continue. Just make me believe that we've really gone on the right track here, and my team have done an exceptional job in executing this. Um, but we had right before the school went back, we had a group of teachers. Uh, from across Canada into our headquarters here in Toronto for a week of training and going through what the thing could do because we wanted to make sure that the training wasn't required because if we had to do, you know, serious training, then it wasn't going to be, you know, we hadn't hit our objective of being ease of use. But we wanted to show them some of the attributes that Edwin had. We wanted to show them some of the abilities it had. One of those abilities is the ability to go in and see every kid's individual screen as they're working on it. So if you think about it, the teacher can sit there and pull up little Johnny's screen and find out that he's been on Facebook 15 minutes and either choose to send a message out across the class that, come on, kids, you've got to concentrate, get off Facebook, knowing it's pointed at Johnny but not calling Johnny out, yep. or sending Johnny an individual message. Johnny, you've been on Facebook 20 minutes. Come on, get down. You're supposed to be doing geography. <laughs> or the other thing they can do is actually lock out everybody's screen and replace their screen with the educators, with the teacher's screen. So it's like an individual projector right in front of them rather than projecting to the front of the class. And one of the educators from actually Northern Ontario, who was a 21-year teaching veteran, said to me, Steve, you know, this is amazing. For the first time in my career, I feel as though I've got total control of the classroom. And that wasn't in some sort of Machiavellian way. That was in a way of knowing what everybody was doing simultaneously, yeah. seeing how they were understanding it, and really being able to make a difference as an educator. And let's face it, these people choose that career because they've got a noble path in front of them. They're not, they're not going to choose to be an educator because it's going to make them wealthy. They want to create wealth in terms of GDP and in terms of student outcomes and kids' careers. Um, but they're tremendous professionals, and we love to support them with that. Steve, where do you see your company in about five, ten years from now? I mean, I see two paths here. I see this digital path 
that that's kind of running coincide you know coincides with what you guys have been doing for 104 years, and them almost one running simultaneously and working off each other. Yeah, you, you know the two are codependent. It's um, at the heart of everything we do: world class educational resources and the pedagogy, the teaching method to teach kids to understand and to learn is always going to be there. So we've got. Uh, between four and six hundred, I don't know the exact number right now, but around five hundred <clears throat> editors and publishers working with authors and professors and teachers writing these new new resources, and that's always going to be at the key and the core of everything we do. But the methodology of teaching kids to learn in a twenty-first century manner, to understand and to comprehend. And everybody always says, you know, learning's an individual journey. But the one thing I found out in a year in education, you might learn in an individual way, but somebody else is learning in that way at the same time. Maybe not in the same country or the same classroom, but if you can share that by the socialization of, you know what, I was on Edwin, this was my aha moment, I got it. And you can get socialized that around the class, around the school, or around the country. We think that we're going to alter education, and I, your, your question's a good one. Where are we going to be in five to ten years' time? Um, if I was a betting man, I would be telling you that Edwin will be used in countries around the world, and I think we're going to change K-12 through education on a global level by understanding how kids work and how they, how they acknowledge and how they comprehend. And then, ultimately, when those kids graduate and go on into higher education, I think they're going to be saying to the profs and the institutions, you know what, this got me through school, this got me through high school, I graduated, this is how I want to learn. So I think that Edwin's going to create a new, a new, um, a new center of education, it's going to create a new methodology in habitual learning, and we're looking forward to seeing its outcomes, and ultimately the proof's going to be in those outcomes. So. But we're pretty bullish, I've got to say. Where can people go to find out more information about Edwin? We have a website, uh, edwin.nelson.com. Uh, there was a recent interview I did on Bloomberg. There's some discussion on there. There's some YouTubes on it. At um, uh, NelsonPK20 is uh, our uh, Twitter handle. People can see a lot on there. There's going to be a lot more buzz about Edwin over the coming months, but it's already starting to get a real hold, not only in social media, but education circles around the world. So... You can also look at us on uh, nelson.com and go into uh, the Edwin site there to find out about it. We are uh, more than happy to talk to anybody in education or parents or students alike. To us, it's just about the journey. Steve Brown, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much for the time. Stick around. There's way more to come. It is Your Tech Report. Follow us on Twitter at Your Tech Report, Facebook.com slash Your Tech Report, and YouTube.com slash Your Tech Report. We'll be right back. Your Tech Report will be right back.